recognize that sound. That's my song. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you, you know, a couple flights up from the kitchen where I get my coffee, right below the roof, which is at the top of the uh, the building, which I'm in, meaning my house. I'm in the attic. Philanthropy and focus every single Friday morning. Actually, uh, I was looking at my notes. This is the 92nd episode of Philanthropy and Focus. And I tell you that because that's cool and I'm happy about it and I'm excited about it. But I think it could be inspiring because if you have an idea and you want to do something, just do it. Like just lean in and go do that thing that you want to do. Because like I say on this show, Philanthropy and Focus, a couple things happen. I meet with nonprofit leaders each week. I help them tell their story and I amplify the message for them. I help get their message out to the best I can through my networks, through my connections, through my relationships, and through my social capital. That means the people I'm connected to, the the organizations I'm connected to. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in awe. I looked at the number. I knew it was a big number already, but 92 is a lot. And as I look at it, the final episode of uh, this year will be December 16th, which is episode number 99. So because we take a couple weeks off here at the end of the year, I talk radio at NYC, uh, you'll have to wait till 2023 for episode 100. And I'll probably have to wear a funny costume or something. That just seems like a big deal. I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do after 100 episodes. But I remember back in the day when they talked about sitcoms, if you had 100 episodes, it got meant you had syndication, like maybe like Seinfeld. So maybe I'm like Seinfeld soon. Um, <laughs> Alyssa Lewin, good morning. What's going on? How are you? Good morning, Tommy. I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. And um, you know, it, it's really such an honor to be with um, a Seinfeld surrogate. So, <laughs> wow, did I just get bold there? Right now, now I'm Jerry Seinfeld all of a sudden. That was funny. Um, I, you know, it's funny right now. Seinfeld's on Netflix, so a whole new generation of people who were not around when we were watching that show, you know, whatever it was, 25 years ago, uh, are now watching it. And it's it's funny to know, like. We'll stop talking about Seinfeld soon, everybody. But it's funny for me, like, to see those, like, how their fashion is so dated. But I lived during that time is the funny part about it, too. <laughs> like, wait, I was alive, like, during that. But, wow, they look, you know, I always see Jerry Seinfeld with jeans on and no belt. I'm always like, you got to put a belt on, bro. What, what are we doing? <laughs> like, so, look, you know, on this show. Are you kidding? We, that stuff is still in my closet. <laughs> you have that stuff still? Yeah, still. You know what? It's. I probably, if I don't want to give my dad and my father-in-law a hard time, but I bet they still have those same clothes too, man. I will say this. I remember there was a time in history when like, we used to wear like, uh, like with shorts, you would wear like tube socks, but like all the way up to your knees. And I, then I was old enough to buy my own socks. And I was like, dad, you got to stop with those socks, like jacked up to your knees. Right. (laughs) And the funny part about it is now my 11 year old. That's the style where the socks, they wear these socks (laughs) jacked up to their knees again. And with shorts. And I'll tell you, you know, what's old is new again. What's new is old again. It's just a big, you know, Lion King is the circle of life, you know, it's just it. And, you know, the, the fashion companies get a kick out of it because like, oh, we could sell that stuff we were selling like 20 years ago. They like it again. You know, I mean, I, it's it's just funny how the world keeps keeps going in a big circle. Um, look, you know, Alice, we, when we met, I'm very touched by the work you're doing. I'm touched by your organization. I'm going to read your background. I'm going to read about the organization in a bit. But I, I just feel like I did a video leading up to this, as I usually do. And I said, self-care is not selfish. And I, I took that from some of the materials I got from you. And, and you know, it's been resonating with me because as I talked about, um, I find that at 44 years old, I am part of the sandwich generation. And I have friends who are 20 and some 30 year my senior who are part of the sandwich generation. So it's like kind of, this is one of those things. It's uh, I don't know. Is it like the mafia? Like once you're in, you're in, like once you're in the sandwich generation, you're in it. Like, uh, because, and maybe we could speak to what that means for people. It's not just somebody Mm -hmm. who likes, you know, bologna and cheese or, or, you know, uh, ham and provolone. It's about a, a situation where you're raising young children under the age of 18 um, or they could be older than 18, I guess, but if they're still depending on us or if they're still on the payroll, as people like to say in our vernacular, as mm-hmm. well as caring for either your own parents, um, a, a spouse, um, uh, your, your, in, your in-laws, your an aunt or an uncle, really, you know, it doesn't even have to be a family member. It could just be someone who is older than you and is, is connected to you, friend or what otherwise. So um, I want to, we're going to hear all about your story and how and how you created Nancy's house and, and really why you created Nancy's house. 
Um, but I, I'd love to just kind of say, what's about the sandwich generation? How familiar are you, you with that term? And maybe we could speak about that before we even get, get into <laughs> oh, your- Tommy, that was my life. Yeah. That, that, that's really what started Nancy's house was being squished in the middle of that sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it does go on in some form or another until it ends and it never ends in a way that we want it to. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, um, you know, not to get scientific, but people didn't live historically as long as we do live now. So, right. right. So the fact is, folks, are, which is great that people are around longer, but comes with that, you know, the challenge of, of taking care of these people, supporting them, um, you know, making this this whole other conversation. I don't know if we're getting to it today, but of when a parent gets to a certain point, um, having them in this discussion of, well, I don't want to leave my home. That's right. Right. And but that, that's for, right. So that becomes this whole dynamic and not to mention the cost of long-term care and all these types of things. Again, I'll bring on a financial advisor if we want to get into those, but those end up becoming stressors for the caregiver. And that's really absolutely going today, right? Absolutely. Caregivers spend a lot of their own money um, taking care of this other person that they love. And this is the non-reimbursable stuff. You know, the, this is, the special food they might need or the hundred dollars a week you might pay in parking because of follow-up visits to a doctor or you know it, it's there's a lot that that happens yeah yeah while trying to do this other thing called raise a family you know it, it's interesting okay. in a sec i'll read you know a little background on you and the organization as i said but i'll just even know how my morning started um you know listening to my dearest wife uh get my four children out of the house this morning and what you know um I had some preparation for this morning show and some other meetings, but I heard kind of what was going on. And, mm -hmm. um, and I know she has other stressors pulling her in different directions as those of us, as I said, in, in our age range do. Um, and it's like, it, you know, eventually it becomes a big challenge. And eventually, as we'll talk about this morning, it can affect our own personal health, which is then how are we any good to anybody? So again, self-care is not selfish. That's sort of the theme we're going to talk about. It's really around that we as caregivers who, if you're not one now, <laughs> you're going to be one. <laughs> and if you're not one, then maybe you're being cared for. So so let me re read you a quick thing about your background. Alyssa Lewin is a licensed psychologist, marriage and family therapist, serial caregiver, and founder of Nancy's House. The programs at Nancy's House provides are informed by the combination of Alyssa's caregiving experience, research in the field of caregiving, and her training as a psychologist. So the organization, which you're going to tell me about, provides a retreat setting that breaks the isolation and exhaustion of family caregiving, allowing rest, education, and connection with other family caregivers. See, I think that's the biggest part, too. It's it's about connection to others. You know, when, when someone loses a family member or a spouse, there's circles there's communities that they can belong to and become part of which right. often serve them well both supportive you know emotionally and and spiritually and in a lot of different ways you know sometimes we need a hug a lot of times we need a hug and sometimes it's right. important to have people around to do that so can we start on your journey what where you know your own experience and how who it, i know there is a nancy and and we'll talk yeah. about that but how does all this happen as much or as little as you want to go into right now, let's let's start it off. How did all of this happen for me? What sure. started my caregiving journey? Yeah. Oh, I'm a serial caregiver. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of us can make that claim. But my journey, as I identify it, mine started um, when I had a second grader that I figured out had some pretty significant learning challenges. Um, and at the same time, I had a toddler still in diapers uh -huh. and my mother-in-law um, became quite ill very quickly. Now in, in my story, there's my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. Um, they divorced when my husband was a year old. So there's my mother-in-law and there's my father-in-law. They are not They're in not any way a support to each other. Um, but he and I were the support for both of them. So um, she became quite ill very quickly. We needed to get 
diagnosed, it was really pretty radical. And we needed to get diagnosis very quickly. We needed to um, get her the proper care and um, moved her out of her apartment and into an appropriate care facility. While I was still very involved in my now second graders education and, and getting that stuff on track and had a toddler. Um, and in that process, I noticed that I had this swollen gland and I'm a very good caregiver. So I would have ignored it. Um, except <laughs> that, Because we do, we ignore ourselves. I know, but we got to underscore that because that's cute and funny and serious all in one, in one commentary there. You're such a good caregiver for everyone else. That's that right. This lump in your neck, you you said in your neck, right? Right, you would, right. Ah, walk it off, right? That's not, it, it ain't about you, Alyssa. It's about everybody else. Like, I'll deal with that some other time. Yeah, but then it started to get in the way when I would turn my head to back up the car. Um, and it's like, okay, I got to get this taken care of. And I went to the doc figuring she'd give me antibiotics and you know, like zip zap done. Um, and she said, you know, I'm not seeing any sign of infection and I'd like to do some blood work. I'm like, okay, fine. So she called me the next morning, which is never a good sign. And she said, listen, uh, either the lab really screwed up or we have a problem. I'm going to do your blood work again. I said, fine. And she called me the next morning. Well, it turned out that I had at the age of about 40 developed chronic lymphocytic leukemia. <clears throat> so what's really weird about that is I had none of the predisposing factors. Um, I'm not elderly. People who get it tend to be elderly. They tend to be men. Mm. And um, depending on whose studies you're reading, it seems like more African-Americans than whites get it. And it's like, okay, three for three here. What's the problem? Right. And what I figured out as I got more into my caregiving experience and, and knowledge is the problem is that the stress of caregiving suppresses our immune systems and it sets off other things in our bodies. And when those things happen, it leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us vulnerable to all kinds of cancers, like an immune system cancer, um, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, all kinds of metabolic things. Um, I have to say, Tommy, because people always get concerned when I say I have CLL, it and I will grow old together. We're doing fine. But that's also part of the self-care story. Mm. So so I want to, again, underscore something here because, you know, this hits home with, with uh, my world in a, lot, in a lot of ways. And I just want people to realize what, what the facts are here. Stress depletes our immune system and then bad things can happen because we're, you know, we're not able to, our body, which is an incredible machine, uh, is not able to fight things off. And, th and you know, whereas with, with, if our immune system was not compromised, and correct me if I'm wrong from your own experience, more than likely these challenging problems and cancers would not happen. I mean, it, right? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So, so I want everybody to take pause and think of that. And, you know, this is when we get into Nancy's house and things like that. If you are a caregiver, you must pause and take care of yourself because, you know, it's become so cliche. Um, put on your, your uh, oxygen mask before you put on the child's oxygen mask because they tell us on a plane and people think it's cute. And, and I hear, you know, some parents go, I would never do that. Of course I'm going to do, but that's wrong. I'm sorry, but that's wrong. Because if you pass out, you can't help anybody. And if that's you're right. in life versus on that plane, you're not helpful to anyone. And <laughs> as I look directly into the camera, I'm looking to me <laughs> to, as well. And I'm saying to myself, like, you actually have to. And I find myself in my weeks sometimes, you know, in my weeks, taking a pause and, and having, you know, and, and working with coaches on my own, uh, so, you know, and, and taking that pause and having to say, okay, step away step away from the desk, step away from the situation, step away from this meeting, whatever it is, and, and go meditate or go for a walk or, right. or right. sometimes, you know, we have to go take a nap. Like, can you right. tap out, you know? That's so right. I, I'm, that's what I'm encouraging everybody to learn from this conversation that Alyssa and I are going to have or are having, and they're going to continue to have when we come back from this quick break, but it's about that 
these things, we can control much of this. We can control it by making different decisions, right? Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, we can we can help. Yeah, we can't we can guarantee, but we can certainly help to make things better. Again, it's all about putting ourselves in the best position, right? For these That's things. That's it. That's it. We're going to take a quick break as we always do on the show. We'll be back in about 84 seconds. Alyssa and Tommy D, Philanthropy and Focus, right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. The only song in the history of songs that talks about a guy doing a radio show from his attic i think i'm not sure but that's what i think you know i gotta give a shout out to mick collins my buddy who's checking in on facebook and he makes this whoa who are these people in my attic that's my best jerry seinfeld thing he thought he was doing his seinfeld mick you could do it better than me if i had a dial in number i'd have you call in um we were gonna you know talk metaphors for me you know you said this in in our little chat box here Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Alyssa Lewin is here, by the way, from Nancy's house, Philanthropy and Focus. Um, t- tell me the one you just jot- jotted down in the chat. Let's talk about that. What I always tell our guests is you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to fill yourself so that you have more to give. And I actually got in trouble with one guy one time. Um, you know, I was talking about you take care of yourself so you can be a, a, a better caregiver. And he's like, no. No, you take care of yourself because you deserve to take care of yourself. You deserve you know to be strong and healthy. And he's absolutely right. I could dig that too. Yeah, I see. It's funny though, <laughs> and he, because he read you with your whole thing about the neck and the whole thing, right? Like, you're, I'm such a caregiver. I'm not going to worry about me. And he's like, no, stop making it about every other people. You know, that's the right. funny thing about life. Like, why shouldn't we be a bit selfish? Like, why shouldn't we? T- I, I feel like we're we're. And again, I listen. I'm always trying to help other people and I, I got my mm-hmm. own issue with that, you know? Um, but it, it, it's like, it's okay to take care of it. It's appropriate. And he, he's right. Whoever said it, he's right. That's actually what we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Right? Yes. You're better for everybody else, but also you're better for yourself. And then in essence, it just the ripples keep going out. Right. So Audrey Lourdes said, self-care is not selfish. It's self-preservation. Self-preservation. I love it. I love it. And it is. So. Let's go back to completing or at least continuing the story. Um, so there, there is a fast forward. Um, <clears throat> and in 2000, my father-in-law, who was then 95, no, 90, he was then 90, um, 
had to move in with us. We had been doing all the stuff that you do to try to maintain him, you know, in his own space. We moved him closer. I was cooking extra meals. We were laying out a week's worth of meds at a time, all that stuff. And it reached a point where it was not safe for him to be by himself. Now, this guy had Parkinson's disease, um, diabetes, congestive heart failure, a couple of cancers, and just enough dementia to keep it interesting. <laughs> so, you got that, folks. You have to have a lab. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know, actually, it's an old, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll make a reference to something that some people will pick up on. You know, a tribe called Quest is uh, one of my favorite groups back in the day, still to this day. And they said, so much going on, people killing, people dying. I got to laugh to keep them crying, you know? Like, and that's what it is because like we got, you know, this is life, man. It's part of the gig. You know, you just got to, you know, smile, make a joke. You know, the just- laughter keeps us going. By the way, I know we'll talk about this later on, but there's actually going to be a workshop at the conference on finding humor and journaling with humor. No doubt. Yeah. I, it's a, they, say, they say it's the best medicine. And there was about a year and a half ago, somewhere through my, my networking, I met a woman who uh, coaches people on laughing and laughter as therapy. Like that's her gig. I haven't spoken to her in a year and a half. Uh, we had a, a chance meeting through networking and then just, you know, how life is, but I would like to look her up because <laughs> I think that's great. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, that is, that's critical. Just enough dementia to keep it interesting is the comment. Is that, is that? Yeah. How? yeah. <laughs> so he moves in. So now this should be easier, right? This is easy. Now you don't have to lay out a week's worth of meds. You don't have to cook extra meals and deliver them. He's in the house with you now. It should be much easier, right? Oh, sure. Easy peasy. <laughs> um, it was, there, there are stories. We haven't the time for all the stories. They're pretty funny though. Yeah. Um, but what, what is interesting and, and part of, again, the story of Nancy's house is the de- with the dementia, his clock was flipped, hmm. which meant he was up at night, which meant I was up at night. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, really interesting. I'm, I'm a slow learner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it took me two and a half years of his living with us for me to go, wait a minute. This isn't my father. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are, you saying, are you saying not everybody was up? <laughs> not everybody was up. No. Okay. Okay. Fair. Some people slept through. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I'll, I'll make a funny comment. I used to think my kids, when they were babies, slept through the night. They didn't. I found out later on they didn't sleep through the night. <laughs> right. Funny I, thing about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moms are incredible. Moms are special. Really. And those ears never go away. Once yeah. you've got them, you've got them. Yeah. No kidding. So, um, I, you know, when he moved in, I had already had this experience with cancer and, and knowing that I needed to take care of myself. And, um, I started seeing a massage therapist and her name was Nancy Brown. We Mm. had this conversation one day about, wouldn't it be great if there were a place we could go to where we could get taken care of the way we take care of these other people. And I got to say, Tommy, I really feel like she was there to plant that seed because like within weeks she was gone, poof, disappeared. And nobody in the practice knew where she went. You never saw her again to this day, right? Yeah. Never saw her again, never heard from her again. People come into our lives and I'm sure we enter other people's lives to drop a tidbit, to drop some knowledge, to plant that seed. I, I, I'm sure that there's people I want to connect. I, I know there's people I would love to see again. And I've no, and again, in a world where you can find most people, but you know, with a name like Nancy Brown, maybe less likely. than. than I personally than. know three Nancy Browns. You know? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's less easy to find people, but, but yeah. there's a reason, obviously uh, Nancy's house does not come out of the ether. If you don't meet Nancy and, and she sparks right. this connection and this thing happens, right? Right. So she left. My father-in-law lived for another four and a half years. And what the turning point was is he died on a Tuesday. And I woke up Wednesday morning and realized I had just had my first solid night's sleep in five years. And I hadn't realized how exhausted I was. Wow. And I thought, you know, if this is happening to me and I'm ahead of the curve on the self-care thing, What's happening to other caregivers? And, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I did what psychologists do. I went and reviewed the literature, right? You know, 
church. Um, it's, <laughs> what can I say? Um, but what I found out was, so we're now at, you know, that 2005, 2006 point. And what I found out was that we had known since the early 90s what happens to us as caregivers. And it's not good. So what, right? so what is it? What, what like, tell, let's break so it down. So one, one of the early studies um, looked at women my age, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what that is, but you've had some hints along the way but looked at women my age who are taking care of their ill husbands. And um, there is this concept of burden, like how much stress do you feel in doing this? And what they found was that those women who felt burden in taking care of these ill husbands, who felt the stress of taking care of these ill husbands, had a 63% increased risk of premature death. Like 63%, 63% compared to their non-caregiving same age um, you know, friends, partners, colleagues, whatever, um, cohort. So there was a study that was recently done. The numbers haven't changed a whole lot. There was a suddenly study that was recently done um, by agingcare on agingcare.com that says 30% of caregivers die before the person that they're taking care of. 30% die before the person they're taking care of. Now, now we, again, these are studies, this is research, it's data. There could be other reasons, but we're we're making a, a jump to the fact that much of that is because of the burden they're experiencing and because of back to what is it stress, lack of sleep, probably lack of nutrition, mental health issues as a result, and et cetera, and et cetera, right? So depending whose numbers you read, and I realize it's a lot of statistics, I'm sorry. No, no, don't um, be sorry. I think I just, I, I'm with you 100%. I just want to say like to people, I like to push this stuff in people's faces. Like this is, this is the stuff. This is real. This is happening. So depending whose numbers you read, between 40 and 75% of all caregivers, all caregivers have symptoms of major depression. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right? Um, I have a graphic in front of me. Anybody can Google it and find it. It's a really lovely one from research that was done by AARP and the National Association of Caregiving. Yeah. Um, this is from 2020. And that actually is the most current numbers that I can, can find. Where did you get that from? Because some people might just be listening right now and, and I want to share. That. It's called Caregiving in the U.S. 2020. And it's by, it's a research piece done by AARP and the National Alliance for Caregiving, NAC. Okay. Right. But if you Google it, if you just Google caregiving in the U.S. 2020, you should yep. get this really lovely graphic. Perfect. All right. Tell us some of the statistics. Yeah. OK, so. This compares 2015 to 2020. OK, um, we've got in 2020, 24 percent. And I think this is a low number of people are taking care of more than one person. Right. Just because you're a caregiver, it doesn't mean you have one person. Right. Um, we've had guests come who have three kids who have a genetic disorder and they're taking care of all three kids. Oh, and their spouse has MS. Right. So it's, you know, it's how much, how much is the, the body and the psyche supposed to be able to manage? You know, I, I'm not looking for anybody. Right. I'm not saying that, but like, just put this in like kind of black and white terms. How much is this, how much capacity does one human being have? That's what we're talking about. Right. I'm pulling right. up some numbers too, because I just want to see there was some so, so care, caregiving in the US 2020. So mm -hmm. I found this. This is actually I actually I found it right here. It's so you go to caregiving.org, everybody. Um, that's this is the same one. I'm going to share it while we're on okay. Facebook. This is it right here. So you why don't you speak to it? Just so confirm that this is the same one though. Well, listen, yeah. that's it, right? There it is. That's the one. Yeah, so what's really interesting, if you look at that little gray bar above the circle, like one third of the way up, that says 23% of Americans say caregiving has made their health worse. Right. I went to the doctor the other day for my annual exam and um, she brought a bunch of students into the room with her. And I thought, well, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to do some teaching. And talked about caregiving and needing to pay attention to caregivers and not just the person with the diagnosis. And the doc started talking about this patient she had just seen, a woman who had been taking care of both of her parents. And she had developed some bleeding 
and ignored it. And her husband kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She would take her parents to their doctor's appointments. She never went to hers. Well, by the time she came to the doc, she had stage three endometrial cancer. Right. And this is what we do. Right. So we're going to talk about, you know, respite and and, um, groups that you're that Nancy's house has, but let's make a really blunt recommendation if we could. And I'm going to, I'll either do it. I'm going to let you do it. What should these people actually be doing for themselves when it comes to their own health? Oh, Brilliant question. And that really is the crux of what Nancy's house is all about. Because going back to my research story, every single article says caregivers have to take care of themselves. And it's like, well, that's brilliant, Sherlock. Thank you. Yeah, really. Um, But nobody was saying, here's how. And nobody was saying, and I'm going to help you to do that. Right? We can get told things over and over and over. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know, you really should come to a retreat. She said, oh, I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me I should eat healthy and I should exercise. And and I said, you know, that's probably not what's going to happen there. But we all know what it is we're supposed to be doing. But having that opportunity to actually do it, to have somebody walk you through it, to experience what this feels like. Right. And so there are lots of things we can be doing. Yes. How you eat makes a difference. Oh, my God. There was a guest who came. She prefers I call her Macy. That's not her real name, but that's the one she says I can use. Um, Macy came into our retreat and she said, you know, I used to be a beautiful woman. And the woman that I was looking at had straggly hair, was very gaunt. Her teeth were in bad shape. She had recently been diagnosed with malnutrition. And her body was showing it. Because her mother had dementia and would scream whenever she left the room. And so she stopped taking time to eat. She would like grab something as she went through the kitchen or, or, you know, as she was feeding her mom, but she stopped eating meals. And the thing she took away from our retreat was she deserves to eat meals. You know, and, and it's that simple. So eating good food, eating healthy food, cutting out the junk. The junk feels good in the moment, sets up another whole set of problems. We don't have time to talk about those. Um, Eating good food, 20 minutes of aerobic activity every other day. It doesn't even have to be every day, but getting that nice, good walk, getting your your heart rate up. Or if you can't leave the house because of the person you're taking care of, you know, the needs they have, you can't leave the house. Dance in your living room, right? It doesn't matter how you do it. Just to get your heart rate up for that 20 minutes every other day. It's going to release endorphins. You're going to feel better, um, more competent, more confident, happier, able to tolerate stress better. It does all kinds of good things. It's only 20 minutes every other day. I teach a workshop called I Don't Do Have Time um, because the thing I hear most often is I'm busy taking care of this person. I don't have time for me. And so we start with it, the most simple, most basic stress reduction technique that you immediately can do, and that's a deep breath yeah. and teaching people how to do a, a correct deep breath. If somebody tells me, oh, I've tried that, it doesn't work, I can guarantee absolutely they're yeah. not doing it right because our bodies are wired to respond to we it. Have the, we have the equipment. We have the equipment. And that's like, you know, not to knock people, and I, I do meditate, and I meditate probably uh, – you know, most mornings I do. And, and often if I have to in the middle, if I need to rather, if I feel the need to and get away, I'll do it in the midday. Talking 10, 15 minutes, gang. We're not talking about hours of meditation. You know, uh, would I like to be a monk up in, in the Himalayas? Sure. But I, I, I do other stuff. So I, I don't meditate for 12 hours a day, but you got to go inside. You got to just tune it out. You know, maybe, uh, maybe, I, you know, I've, I haven't done it since the pandemic started, but I love going to float therapy, sensory deprivation tank, Mm -hmm. just shut it all out, get it all out, Mm -hmm. find these opportunities. And like, you don't need the the sensory depth tank. You don't need the tank. You don't need to float. We actually do have all the equipment, right? So I don't want to make it complicated, Mm -hmm. right? There there is actually a meditation um, that I want to tell folks about that has been documented, like the studies have been done, that says this actually helps to protect our bodies from the stress of caregiving. Specifically. All right, good. Let's hold them. That's a cliffhanger. We're going to hold them with that. When we come back, we're going to dive right into that philanthropy and focus. Alyssa Lewin from Nancy's house, Tommy D from the attic. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. About to talk about meditation. Now, you don't need an attic to meditate, although an attic is a great place to meditate, but I like to meditate in the attic, meaning, you know, my head. Okay. It's about that. So, I wanted to read this about Nancy's house. I want to talk about this special meditation specifically for caregivers, which I didn't even know we were going to talk meditation today. So, that's even more exciting for me. But Nancy's house breaks the isolation and exhaustion that can come from taking care of someone who is chronically ill or disabled. We offer one to three day retreats for caregivers, online, in-person workshops, monthly book clubs, monthly support groups, and an annual conference. And uh, we're going to be talking about some events later in the show that are coming up. In fact, next week we'll talk about. So let's talk meditation. I want to talk about the name Nancy's House, right? right. And then we'll just get to keep moving. So the meditation, um, there is a psychiatrist named Alyssa Appel, who is at University of California, San Francisco Medical School. Way back in 2004, she did a study. And actually, it was one of the studies that pushed my development of, of Nancy's house. Um, she took moms, healthy moms in their 30s with healthy kids and healthy moms in their 30s with sick kids, you know, chronically ill kids. Um, and she didn't do any emotional surveys. She didn't ask about stress, didn't ask about burden, none of that. What she did was she looked at the telomeres from the cells of the mom, the healthy moms with healthy kids and healthy moms with sick kids. Now, telomeres are like the caps at the end of a shoelace. You know, those plastic ends that keep it from unraveling. Telomeres are those kinds of ends at the ends of your chromosome bundles, right? So all the chromosome bundles have these little caps, these telomeres. And every time a cell reproduces, that telomere gets a little shorter, a little shorter, a little shorter. So it becomes a biomarker for age, right? And what she did was she looked at the healthy moms, healthy kids, and healthy moms, sick kids, and compared their telomeres. And what she found was that at this biologic level, at this cellular level, the moms with the sick kids were on average 10 years older than their same age counterparts. So biologically, for lack of me understanding, another way to say it is they're the same age, right? Right. right. Chronologically, oh, same age. Thank you. Chronologically, they're the same age, but internally, way down to the most basic at the cellular level, these other women who had our caregivers are right. on average 10 years older. Right. Exactly. Well, what does that so, do for your system that's starting to break down because it's 10 years older, right? Right. Because when telomeres get shorter is when things break down. That's why things break down in old age when their telomeres are now shorter and cells die or they don't reproduce properly. Again, another whole piece. But yeah. um, hers was the first study that connected the impact of stress of caregiving with what's happening to us physically, that it's not just an emotional thing, but it's physical. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, well, okay, if this 
if stress is doing this to the telomeres and that affects us physically, is there a way to, to mitigate that? And what she did, she did another study. And what she found is there is this 12 minute meditation. If you do it every day, not only protects the telomeres from shrinking, but actually helps them to elongate again. All right, hold on. We need to pause because like I got, because this isn't, this is too good, too juicy. I'm trying to Google her to find where is Google 12 minute meditation. Perfect. We'll, st- we'll start with that. And there are a bazillion of them on online. Oh, I mean, there are a bazillion. Like, or could, I did 12 minute meditation. Let's see if that comes, what comes up there. Uh, That's going to give you all the YouTube videos of it. Yeah, right. But I want to get her article. Too. Oh, you want her. Okay. So you want Alyssa Appel, E-P-E-L. A-L. E-L-I-S-S-A. It was yours. Yeah. All right. And what's the last name? Appel. E-P-E-L. E-P-E-L. Folks, we do things in real time here on this program. We're solving no. problems. Not like, you know, no no pomp and circumstances. You know what I mean? We're just you, doing Um, So you might want to put telomeres after that name when you Google it. And psychology, that right? No, she's a psychiatrist. Okay. So, but she's at, oh, excuse me, vice chair of department of psychiatry at University of California, San Francisco, right? You got it. Got it. She's sure. a couple of books, The Telomere Effect. And the seven day stress, it looks like, or a couple of her books. We'll share this stuff. I'm sure McCollins is sharing it already. It's Elissa, E L I S S A, Appel, E P L, E P E L. I just said it wrong. Um, so I'll share some of, I'll just share, it's got like her profile from um, from the college and stuff like that. I'll put this stuff out there. Alyssa Appel, we'd love to talk to you at some point too, because this is great information. So, all right. So please continue with this so we can get, um, so in so that that study was published 2004 in 2014 she published another study that that looked at having having caregivers having people in stress do this meditation every day and it's just 12 minutes it's just 12 minutes when you're talking about i don't have time it's just 12 minutes it's a kirtan kriya so what a lot of caregivers find is when they start to get down, you know, into that quiet space for, for a mindfulness meditation, um, it monkey mate, monkey brain, right? It's like, oh, I have to do this and I have to remember. And, and they say, I can't do it. And they walk away. This is a chant with a melody and there's a finger tap that goes with it. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's satanama. Right. And this goes on and then it's done out loud in a whisper silently and then silently in a whisper and out loud again. So two minutes at each, it brings you to 12 minutes. And what she found is this actually is a protective um, stress protection. You know, it protects from the, the, the negative impacts of stress at our, at our cellular level. And when I have taught this to to our guests and they come back and they tell me, this is amazing. This is amazing. I feel so much calmer. I feel so much better. The power of meditation. Look, you know, I, I found, so if you go to 12min, like minute.com, it actually comes up with Alyssa Appel's information here too. So we'll have to, you know, we should probably connect with her. Have you met her yet? I have not. We've corresponded. We corresponded way back at the beginning of my creating Nancy's house. Yeah. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, I think anybody is, we can connect with anybody. I don't believe in the old days, you know, like I believe if, right. if we can bring value to each other, we're supposed to be connected. And I think this is one of those situations. I'll tell you, you know, I studied transcendental meditation and um, I, I'm always searching for these types of things. And, you know, I think, whatever works for somebody go do that thing you know it's not a uh, look i think if if when you said about breathing deep breathing people say that doesn't work people say ah i can't meditate but listen i'm tommy d i'm a wild man <laughs> i can figure out how to do this right you know i think i don't care how now i got the adhd i got the whole thing man i got it i got it all but you can you can sit with yourself and you can go internally it's so critically important and guess what gang it ain't just like for you know for us hippies it's actually because it's going to make you more healthy and that's what we're talking about before we go to a quick break the name of the organization 
where tell us that so i I told you the story about nancy brown yep and my father-in-law lived another four and a half years after she left the practice but when he died you know as i said i was ahead of the curve i did this research and that conversation came back and those two things came together and when i thought about creating the time and space for caregivers i had to thank her for planting that seed and so the name is a thank you to nancy brown nancy brown if you're out there thank you the the organization is a thank you it's a, sh- a sign of gratitude it's appreciation we can we talk about it. you said a couple of times that's a whole nother conversation gratitude is a whole nother conversation gang wake up and say thank you when you go to sleep say thank you that will change things for you just that do it for i don't know every day and carve out 12 minutes a day to do this meditation. We'll we'll con- continue to bring things. You know what, Alyssa, what's great is like, as somebody who's found out in the last handful of years, I'm pretty creative. I just want to do more shows about these types of topics. Philanthropy and Focus is this. It's about the nonprofit. But look, we're not necessarily just talking about what a 501c3 is all about or right. fundraising here. We're talking about impacting and changing the world and changing other people. So I'm thankful and grateful that you're on the show with me this morning. So I appreciate Thank you it. for giving me the space to do this. I really appreciate it. My, it is my mission to do that, to give the space for these types of topics. So when we come back, I really want to focus in on the upcoming event, how we can support the organization. And if there's connections, whether they be local to where you are or national or international for that matter, who who they are and what we're going to talk about so we'll be right back this is philanthropy and focus no big deal gang just changing the world we'll be right back. <laughs> hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc i host a program philanthropy and focus nonprofits impact us each and every day and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. in focus by now if you're paying attention you know it's spelled with a ph philanthropy is as well as focus is spelled with a ph so uh Alyssa, while i have this shared on facebook maybe we could just jump right into the conference the website is nancys-house.org nancys-house.org and you'll see the upcoming annual national caregiving conference uh, which is coming up next week so do we can we speak to that for a little bit Oh, I am so excited about this conference. There are so many good things happening. So um, this is our fifth conference. It's our third conference that's online. And on one of the silver linings of COVID is we have learned by having things online, we can reach many, many more people. So anybody who is hearing this program can take part of this. Um, It is, well, you can see we have Yuki Washington, he, his picture is up on the, on the screen here. If you're in the ph- greater Philadelphia region, you know Yuki. He is well-beloved. He is a news anchor for um, Eyewitness 3, Channel 3 Eyewitness News, excuse me. Um, 
and he is just wonderful. And he's a caregiver. Caregiving hits everybody. Of course he right? is. Because you know why? Because he's a person. <laughs> that, exactly so. Exactly so. And um, then we have six really fabulous workshops. People will be able to attend two. Registration is only 10 bucks, mm-hmm. right? So for $10, you get to pick two of these amazing, wonderful workshops. We've got Kathy Sikorsky, who is an elder law attorney. She's also a Nancy's House board member. She is also a humorist. She speaks nationally on, on caregiving, and she has written several books. Um, funny, we were talking at the beginning about humor, right? Yeah. Funny, funny, but so important, so informative. And her her um, focus this year is legal pickles, what every caregiver needs to know, because there are so many times we can unwittingly get caught in political in in financial and and legal pitfalls no kidding yeah um we have maurice baynard who is also a board member um maurice maurice does a, a, a it is not his day job but it is his training of he does a lot of work and and study in sleep and what happens why we need sleep what happens when we sleep what happens when we don't sleep um and so his program this year. He, again, very interesting, very informative. His rooms are always packed. And his workshop this year is Unlocking the Secret of Naps. I love that name. What a cute name. How fun is that? You know, oh, I, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. Um, and the third one, I'm not going in order here, but if you look on the That's screen directly perfect. under Maurice, we've yep. got Kay Coughlin. And I put her in with the other two because in my mind, we break it out as three informational workshops and three experiential. And Kay's is also one of the ones that I would call informational. Hers is boundaries and caregiving. Kay um, has a podcast that's caregiver to caregiver. She Her website is um, facilitator on fire. She does every couple of months, she does work, one of our, our monthly workshops. And she is just really wonderful in talking about we as caregivers need to be us first and it's okay to say no and you don't have to give yourself up piece by piece to other people um that you are entitled to be in and of yourself a whole and healthy person and she is wonderful um and then in the experiential workshops we have that healing movements of qigong by Michael McCormick. Michael did this for, uh, did healing sounds last year and this year he's doing healing movements. Wow. And this, you're, it's wonderful. And it just, talk about, you know, the, the immediate impact of meditation. It feels so good. And Qigong is very easy to follow along. It's very simple. You can do this. Um, the two new ones this year are writing and journaling in caregiving with humor. This is the one I mentioned earlier about being able to find it can be dark humor. It can be gallows humor. It can be just plain up, straight up funny humor. Um, I, I can tell you some slapstick stories about when, when my father-in-law was with us, but being able to spot those and hold on to that humor so that we don't get weighed down by the other stuff. So that's, I'm really excited about that one. And the processing through poetry, being able to take these complex feelings and coalesce it, crystallize it into this beautiful um, form of poetry. I mean, just to be able to express yourself in this way, poetry is like magic in being able to take this huge amorphous thing and just bring it down to this few words of beauty, you know? I'm feeling like, you know, you need to know my friend, Dave Lynn. He calls himself the gratitude dude. And uh, I'm just, just because of the writing you're talking about, we did a conference. I'll hook you up with Dave. But shout yes, out. Please. We haven't spoken in a little while. I'm sending you good vibes. I don't know that you're listening, but I'm sending them to you. So um, him and his brother had put together a, it was sort of like the unconference a bunch of years ago. It was called Congruence. And it was there mm. for con, C-O-N was concert. G-R was uh, gratitude, um, energy, and self, I believe, was the SE at the end, congruence. And it was really special. And like most things, mm. the pandemic sort of put that on hold. But, you know, one of the things we wrote, like, thankful, like, thank you cards to people in the session and mailed those cards. And the things that happen out of that are incredibly special. We're going to run out of time. And I don't want that to happen before you get anything else out there with what you need as far as relationships and connections. So, what else can we, aside from getting the word out, I think you and I should shoot a video about the conference. If you're up for it, just do a video like another day next sure. week. 
push you know the, the attendance and whatnot or, sure, that that's a really big piece is we really want more and more and more people to sign up at nancyshouse.org nancys-house.org it's going to pop up when you go there um it's only ten dollars it's saturday november 5th from 9 to 12 30 eastern time if you can't if you want to go to this event and you can't swing the ten dollars tell Alyssa and i'll take care of it like because that's you know what thank I mean? you and and we do have scholarships available if that yeah. if that's a, a hardship absolutely yeah um connections connections we we really need donors because caregivers are financially stressed in addition to emotionally and physically i mean we come back to that graphic right and it says that um um where is it uh 20 something percent are are using their own money have had it, oh 45 percent have had at least one financial impact yep. um you know that if, if we really need donors and we need sponsors for for the conference we have a lot of sponsorship available but just ongoing donors would be fabulous and of course we're looking for board members if this is a mission that speaks to you we are looking for board members who are it's a working board but we're looking for board members who are willing to put in the time and effort to make this mission fly. I think you need to talk to my friend, Nicole Christensen. She's written a book on caregiving. She uh, is, is like a patient advocate, very involved in that caregiving space. Um, mm -hmm. Got to get you hooked up with Dave Lynn. And also um, you've met my friend, Vicki Elner. And I would hope that you and Vicki are going to try to do some stuff together too. Um, this has been another episode of Philanthropy and Focus. Alyssa, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for the work you're doing for our caregivers. I've learned so much today. And I'm going to be honest, I'm taking this knowledge to people in my family who are caregivers and need to be a bit selfish, as we've talked about. Self-care. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is just the deal. I get, this is it. <laughs> like I say, my friend Dara sent me this cup because this is something I've been known to say, you know, no big deal. Just change <laughs> the little plan to be focused guy. No big deal. Just changing the world. All right. We're going to leave it there. I will just announce really quick next week on the show, Allison Lafalita, my other buddy from the nonprofit resource hub will be here. Nonprofit resource hub is something we created. I created it with some partners, my, my business partner and uh, some of our other partners, subject matter experts, thought leaders in the nonprofit sector. Allison is our executive director. We'll be here to talk about the upcoming conference, November 15th in New York city and what the nonprofit hub really does it's a trade organization where we bring together the best of breed for not for the nonprofit sector Alyssa, thank you so much for being here i appreciate you thank you you're welcome everybody make it a great weekend i'll see you later on bye business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! 
On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 